Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Jesus and Paula Show. Starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. Tune in as we learn the mind of Christ, and thoughts of God. Well, good evening, Jesus and Paula land world out there. Welcome to this week's broadcast of the Jesus and Paula Show. Lot going on in the world, isn't it? Hmm. Including our own backyard in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are marked safe, uh, especially since the location isn't too far where the shooting was at St. Francis Hospital. It's actually across the street from where we used to have conferences at the Doubletree Hotel. And so we do have people who work over there. Or is it just so happen that all of these shootings are erupting at the same time? Hmm, hmm, hmm. Well, the first thing you can read after the broadcast, not during the broadcast, is uh, a new um, blog that we uploaded to Dr. Price's website <clears throat> called Buffalo, Texas Shootings, Disguise Political Massacre. Let that settle on in. Nobody can write it quite like Dr. Price. And so uh, I want you to read that tonight, today, tomorrow, whenever you can this weekend, share that link with her. We're going to see if we can get it published <clears throat> in other platforms, other media article platforms, because she said uh, somewhat in the vein of change the narrative. My most recent post is also change the focus. Concerning it, I'm referring to the shootings in Buffalo, New York, and Texas, and the recent revival of white cops shooting black men media mantra. The mantra, emphasis on that. And now we can add Tulsa shooting. At the outset, let me say to you that my deepest condolences go out to the families of the shooting victims. I cannot conceive the horror and agony the victims' families must be enduring right now. To be expected, questions of why inflame anger at the irrationality of the pretensive indiscriminate slaughter of their loved ones. No one can accurately comprehend the devastating trauma such horror, horror in humanity sparks. I use the phrase inhumanity to highlight the political savagery for what it is. Cruel ploys that are meant to shift our attention away from who and what is behind them and why they keep happening. This is why my take on these crises curiously wonders why they always tend to be politically timed. 
Hear me out before reacting, because if you do not, these pre uh, precious lives will have been lost in vain, which is something none of us wants. What we need is to have our questions answered. We need to uncover causes and motivations with the clear headedness to plow through our grief and neutralize the massacres plaguing our society today. As you read on, please bear these aims in mind. That's the setup. You have to read. She then writes a prayer and then jumps right back into the issue at hand. At this day and age, we can't take anything at face value. You can't believe anything. I mean, come on. After every shooting is the same mantra, the same thing. It's It was a white guy shooting up black people in the grocery store. Oh, but in Tulsa, it was a black man that shot up the hospital. It's quiet out there on the racial unrest front. It's where, where's, where's the outrage here from the black community on a black man shooting up people. Where is that? And so you can tell just by not even if you pay attention more to when there isn't outrage, you'll also see the pattern as to why there is an outrage, why it gets really loud. Why, why all of a sudden everything has to steer toward so where's the conversation about, so this must be a Democrat agenda because it was a black shooter. Because anytime it's a white shooter shooting black people, then the whole argument is, well, there are Trump supporters, you know, they're conservatives there. It always comes back to the party. So how come when it's black people shooting black people, not black people, it doesn't go back to the party? Even these types of imbalances really let us know there is a greater agenda at work that is truly diabolical. Today's broadcast is going to be very headline-driven, but also kingdom-driven, thronally-driven. Tell your friends we're talking about the shootings. Dr. Price is also going to pull forward a video, which we're going to watch the first part of, dealing with the jab, the whole agenda with coronavirus and the vaccine, and what was said even last year about this by experts that was suppressed. I mean, suppression is like the name of the game right now. It truly is the name of the game. We have information we don't want out there. Suppress it. Doesn't make it any less true. Suppress, suppress, suppress. Well, what's your response? What can you do? Of course, we always have power in prayer. This Friday, which is tomorrow at this point, at the Congregation of the Mighty at the Embassy. Hallelujah is a prophecy prayer and worship night. Where are the prophets? Where's the prophets' voices? And we have key leaders from around the city who are either intercessors, but all of them leaders in their own right who will be joining us for a night of prophetic decree. Uh, prophets, apostles, pastors from around Tulsa City. We told y'all we love pastors, okay? We just, you know, need the ones doing, 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 doing it God's way. We have pastors with us, hey. And so we have pastors, apostles, prophets, and ministers from the city who are either going to prophesy or pray into specific situations. Oh, I left my printout on my desk of the topics. But we'll be praying for our governor, Governor Stitt, as well as our attorney general, Attorney General John O'Connor. Oh, no, you're good. By the time I pull it up, it'll be okay. Uh, we're going to pray for our local Tulsa government, state government. We're praying against the uh, global diabolical scheme of eradicating half of the population of the planet by next year. And in these videos that we're going to play tonight, Dr. Zeb, he addresses that scheme. Now, this is from 2021. 
I think the fall of 2021, maybe September, August. Okay, August of 2021 is when this interview took place, and he is breaking down specifically what this agenda is and its end goals. All right, these are professionals. These are experts who are scientifically, as well as what they know, letting us know. And we have met so many people who were like, I was hoodwinked. I drank the Kool-Aid. I was all 100% with this other thing. And then God opened my eyes. I actually began to read the information. See, I always question people who, when you say you have evidence and proof and they don't want to see it, I'm like, you're not interested in the truth. So our conversation is over because I want to talk to people who are interested in the truth. You may, we may go to blows. We may disagree point by point, but at some point it's like, but what do the facts say? Study history, this whole agenda to disarm the United States citizens. What has happened to every civilization that the government has disarmed? They have disembodied them. They have taken them out. There have been genocides. That's step one to a genocide is stripping people of their ability to defend themselves and protect themselves. And they seize what? Education. They seize your education. Take your books. How many kids now don't read books in school? They seize your books. See, they would burn books. Hitler burned books. They did. Now they just delete them. They remove them. They block them. They, they, do, they remove them and they raise up a generation of children that don't read. I mean, that's just the best way to keep people out of books, teaching them that all you need is to know how to work an icon. You know how many kids can't actually write their name? Well, what is cursive writing? What is what? Are you kidding me right now? Hand, I need you to handwrite it. I did. No, you're writing in all caps. That's actually printing. But can you write? Can you actually cursive? Do you know cap, lowercase? No, I don't know that at all. Hand, hand thinking, hand writing dexterity, not there. Mental dexterity, not there. Purely driven by stimulus. Stimulus. And if they're not stimulated through their eyes, then it's not happening. But you have a lot of families who are pushing back. A lot of parents who are like, give me your phones at night. Give me your phones when you get home from school. Because you only need them for emergencies at this point. And, okay, we're going to read together. Even watch television together, have dinner together, have discussions, conversation. How was your day? What went on? Let's have engage and things like that. And so this Friday at 6.30 p.m., join us at the embassy as we pray and address these key issues. Because we have got to push back on the darkness and not just in prayer and prophecy, but also in the natural. The people that we have joining us I want to say all of them have initiatives going on one way or another, whether it's teaching a class, having a whole entire network, or um, having prayer groups and things uh, and events going on that are about facing off with this in some kind of way. And so we're, we don't just believe in only prayer. If God has put you in a position that you need to pray and do, and we can all do something, word of mouth is powerful. Passing on links, passing on posts, sharing is what you can do if you don't have a public platform, if, you know, you, maybe you don't have a message and maybe you don't have a project, but you do have a passion and you can come alongside somebody else's project and work with them. You can share what you know to be the truth and you can, you know, spare not. 
<laughs> okay? Just let it out and spare not. Very, very, very important. Again, I already talked about the Buffalo, Texas shootings, disguised political massacre. Gone are the, day, gone are the days where we as saints can just hide in our prayer closet and act like it's a panic room, that we just close the door and protect ourselves from the rest of the world. Everybody know what a panic room is? In your house, okay? It's one that is, if somebody breaks into your house, somebody's trying to get you, you can run into that panic room and lock it. It has ventilation. It should, depending on when it was made, um, you might have temperature regulation, a food stash in there so that you can hide maybe a phone where you can call emergency services to come and get you and protect yourself while danger is outside. Well, that's how we've treated the prayer closet, haven't we? I'm going into my secret place. I'm going into, you know, just me and God and, and my war room and not and not do no no war, though. That you're not warring with anything in your war room. You're hiding. And we have made the prayer closet a retreat center. Well, I'm going to go into prayer for three days and do nothing but talk to God, probably get some good naps, maybe do a little bit of fasting. I mean, it takes an incredible amount of discipline to pray through something. It's like a marathon. It takes discipline to do more than just sprinting. You have to run the race that is before us. And we're in a race right now to see who's going to get to the finish line first and who's going to win the prize. And, and so as we're pushing forward in this agenda, we have to understand now that we really do have to shift from the prayer closet mentality the phone ringing, the prayer closet mentality into the war room, the situation room mentality. A lot of our broadcasts are like the situation room. This is what's going on. This is the situation. This is the overview. When you study the prophetic disclosures of scripture, it was God laying out the situation room. It was him laying out the war plan, what he was going to do to his enemies, as well as what he was going to do to his people who were rebelling against him. It was all there. I could see why the enemy really, really, really seduced the church into skipping over Genesis to Malachi. We're just going to start. We'll, we'll pass through Psalm, cherry pick some Proverbs, talk about David, Daniel, lion's den. You know, fiery furnace, Esther. Hey, and don't forget about Ruth and Boaz. You know, go get your man, honey. Don't 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 forget about getting your man. I'll get my Boaz. Okay, don't forget about that. Anything tied Esther. Hey, come on, girls, be queen. Anything tied to a woman getting a man, we're gonna preach about. We skip over Deborah usually, who took the whole nation to war. And one, we're going to skip over that and go right to Esther because we want to be pretty. We want to be perfumed. I want to be the queen. That's the favorite. I want to get up to half of the kingdom. I want to do all that kind of stuff. And again, get my Boaz. So if you can't be queen, at least get your man. At least get you, at least get you a wealthy man. And that's about all we get in scripture. And other than that, we have the flip side of Jezebel and Eve. I mean, we have like four honorable mentions that we're going to use for women in scripture. Come on, somebody today. It's time out for all of that. It is time out. We have got to explore the full counsel of God and understand that there is nothing new under the sun. And that doesn't just mean what God is doing, but what his enemy is doing. 
what their schemes are, how to outsmart these devils, how to outflank these devils, how to outwar these devils. These apostles and prophets went to literal war with these nations, with these other gods. It wasn't just spiritual warfare. It was terrestrial warfare. Abraham went to war. Moses went to war. Joshua, David went to war. Deborah went to war. JL was, the, come on, that was all part of the war plan. Oh, come on, sir. You tired? Come on. Need a little nappy nap. That enemy trying to get you. Come on. Come on. Because we as women know how people and men in particular have been trained and, and other women as well for you. And don't be two ounces of cute. Just two. You don't even have to have a runway in front of you. You just need to be two ounces of cute. And then we know you don't know anything. We know you're not smart because you're too, you spend too much time in the mirror to spend any time in a book. That's how people treat you. If you're together, then it must have taken you three or four, like it took me six hours to get ready today. I was at the office. Okay, don't even. And so we do that. But in scripture, all these women were savvy. Sat even sneaky. <laughs> Rachel, come on, sneaky. You had some cunning, conniving females. You had leader females. We don't talk about uh, Bathsheba. We don't talk about any other things other than, well, you know, she used her femininity to seduce the king. She also raised up a king, though. She raised up a king who had quite notoriety in scripture. Now that the whole woman problem, he took his daddy's woman issue to like the 35,000th power, but that's all right. His mother tried to tell him. <laughs> he didn't listen to his mama. Mama tried to tell you. He didn't listen. That's fine. And so, I mean, you know, we laugh about these things, but it's true that all of this is in scripture. You get a female now. Oh, you're too cute to be smart. Oh, you're too this to be that. You're too, you're too cute to be dangerous. You're too. That's fine. Go ahead and believe that right there. And when you look up like they did with Deborah and she is at your nation's door with several other armies, all of a sudden cute flies out the window. Who taught you how to war? Who let you war? See, who let you war? <clears throat> That's how a lot of society thinks. Who let you do that? So there's a, a lot going on in scripture that we're not taking advantage of as people today. But guess what? We're getting real smart. We're getting very slick. I mean, how long did people dismiss Dr. Price because, oh, you just over there with a bunch of women, you and your girls, you and your ladies, like there's no men around anywhere. There you, oh, yeah, you know, well, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, what had happened here? Well, who let you through the gates? Who let you at the head table? Who let you make decisions? Are you kidding me right now? And you could tell the church deserves to be stuck and deserves to be smacked because we're still playing these dumb games. Even the world understands. You know what? I'll make an exception for all 50 million of you right now in this part of the world because, oh, you can get a thing done. We'll make an exception to them. It's making an exception. Now we have females, CEOs presidents of other nations, queens of other nations. I mean, running, you can't even imagine all around the world and in the church, especially the American church is still, well, I guess we'll let you. We have a conference. They're going to bring in the women to do worship. And the opening prayer of which nobody's in their seats at the opening prayer because they're still getting there. 
opening prayer and worship. And then the men will take care of all the business. I have I have friends in the kingdom. And you know what they tell me? It's so interesting. The, the ladies tell me that they really sometimes try not to envy my position because I'm respected as a woman in the organization in which I serve and not used and dismissed because that's still the case in many places. Don't ask me why are we talking about this right now, but it's true. It is true. The church stays behind because they refuse to acknowledge the genius that walks around. If it's in a skirt and high heel shoes, that is a biological female. <laughs> okay. You gotta, you gotta wrap it all up together. Now we used to say in a skirt and we knew it meant a female. And now you have to identify who is who I don't identify as a female. I am a biological female and that's that. And, and so we're the only ones who will dismiss that have some of the most ingenious women in their arena and will pick all these other people, all these other guys, all these other, whatever, because you know, you're a woman give money to men and then tell women how they need to be better with money, how they need to invest, how, how, let me show you how, but let me give you what you need. It was very interesting. I watched a whole, uh, well, actually I need to finish watching it. A documentary that, Ooh, who put it together? What celebrity? Ooh, I can't remember which female celebrity put it together, but she was really noticing how female roles were in the industry. And went all the way back to when silent films were the only option for films, women dominated in silent films. Hands down. I mean, they dominated, they ruled the realm. Men started ruling the realm when money got involved. At that time, women weren't allowed to have money. And so banks wouldn't give money to women. They would only give them to men. And this is how men began to dominate the entertainment industry because they would only do business with the men, even though it was the women who were actually establishing the entire industry that we're watching today. Very interesting. I didn't know that. I was like, whoa. And, but then you know what? When you go back and you look at all those uh, entertainers at the time, most of them were women. And we've got to use the rest of our force, the rest of our armed forces, the rest of our brains uh, and forces if we're going to win this battle. We have got to stop this male-female nonsense. We're in a time of war. You know what a time of war means? Who cares? That's what it means. Whenever what? World War II, World War I in this nation, World War II, when the, all the men were off trying not to get themselves killed in war and deployed everywhere else and on assignment, who ran the nation? The women got in the mines. They got in the steel mills. They got in all the railroads and all the places that they weren't allowed before and actually kept the nation going. And then whenever the men came back, everything had to be rolled back. Hard reset. You can tell when you're stuck in an idea, even seeing when the idea works, you don't care. And you're just waiting for that time to be over. So what we're going to do right now is go to this first segment that Dr. Price will pick up on um, later on in the show, dealing with the coronavirus, Dr. Zev. Uh, and it's explained in this first segment. We might watch the first two segments. Um, but he explain, it explains who he is and his outlook on what's happening with this whole situation.
But when President Trump announced that he had been hit with the bioweapon now being referred to as COVID-19, one doctor recommended that the president take hydroxychloroquine. This doctor is a protocol innovator who reports a 99% survival rate among high-risk COVID patients that he has treated. He's been nominated for the Presidential Medal of Freedom, nominated for the Nobel Prize. He's provided counsel to the White House personnel, multiple governments, hospitals, physicians, public figures, and is published in top peer-reviewed journals with world-renowned physicians. That board-certified family physician is Dr. Vladimir Zev Zelenko, and he joins us now for a StuPeters.tv exclusive. Dr. Zelenko, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. So this thing is just, it's global. I mean, the conversations that we have on a daily basis, we cannot get away from COVID-19, inoculations, injections, the word vaccine, mandates, passports, masking, all of these things. And it all comes from this word, this brand, if you will, COVID-19. So you've been plugged into this thing since the beginning. Uh, nobody has, has boasted the success that you have or innov innovation and protocol, any of that. So from your perspective, a broad scope, a bird's eye view, your definition today, how would you describe COVID-19? It's a bioweapon designed to isolate and humanity and create pathologic, pathogenic fear, which then is manipulated by the stakeholders, manipulating human behavior into a course of action that is irrational. The, the propaganda machine that is controlled, it seems, by world governments is really, to me, the most interesting thing. So in your opinion, how did this become such a lockstep threat across the entire planet? It's not a threat. That's a psyop. Let me explain to you. Every human being on the planet got COVID-19 and were not treated. The death rate would be a little bit less than 0.5%. So that works out to be 7 billion people, 10 billion, 10% would be 700 million, 1% 70 million, and a half a percent, 35 million people would die. However, with proven treatment protocols, which we have developed, the death rate would be reduced from 35 million to 5 million, which is a lot of people, and assuming that every single human being on the planet got it. The question is, how many people are dying from our supposed response of lockdown and global immunization? And I would argue that it's already far surpassed that number. And we are on the verge of a potentially genocidal event. I'm going to go to part two of this. This was just last year, August of 2021, is when this broadcast was. And here's part two A. <laughs> and we are on the verge of a potentially genocidal event, according to world experts. For example, Dr. Luke Montague, who won the Nobel Prize in Medicine for discovering HIV, said that this is the biggest risk of genocide of the human race in, the, in history. Dr. Michael Yidden, who was the vice president of Pfizer and the head of vaccine development for Pfizer, said for every one child that dies from COVID, 100 will die from the vaccine. And he also said, he was asked the following question. There's a professor, Dr. Dolores Cahill from Ireland. She said the following prediction. In her opinion, 90% of the people that got vaccinated will be dead within two years. He was asked about that statement. He said he wouldn't go that far. 
he feels it's 75% in three years. Wow. And then Dr. Robert Malone, who has the original patents on the delivery technology for the mRNA vaccine, one of the nation's leading experts in the mRNA vaccines, said, do not take it. The government is not being transparent with its side effects. So I can define to you what the real concern is, but the world experts are warning that this could be a global genocidal event. And it's simply because in the animal models, um, these vaccines killed the animals. They killed animals in in an indirect way. Antibodies were generated, and when those animals were uh, um, challenged with the actual virus they immunized to, they died. So the question was, why did they die? And it turned out that it was their own immune system that killed them. So is that what this antibody-dependent enhancement is, this ADE that everybody's talking about? Exactly. Okay. That's exactly. I didn't use the term. I just explained the mechanism. Yep. Now, here's my question. Wouldn't you think you would like to exclude that phenomenon from happening in human beings before you globally deploy a vaccine that potentially can cause that? And the answer is it wasn't done. Why wasn't it done? Because you are the experiment. You know, throughout history, if you look in the 60s, the RSV vaccines killed more people than they saved. They were because of ADE. If you look in the 70s, the dengue fever vaccine did the same exact thing. And throughout the recent history, when all the coronavirus vaccines had ADE happen. So all of a sudden, we now have immunized, I believe, 2 billion people. And depending on which expert you want to listen to, we're looking at a potential a genocidal event of billions of people potentially dead. And, and you believe that? You, you c- concur with those opinions? It's not a matter of belief. It's a, it's a matter of understanding the science. This is an immunologist's worst nightmare. According to Dr. Robert Malone, he's already reporting that patients that have been vaccinated have higher viral titers in their nose than unvaccinated patients. And he says that is a first sign of AIDS. Ooh, sobering, very sobering to think about that and uh, to process, I think to process the reality that this is a reality and that this diabolical scheme, which is what Dr. Price has said from the first sermon that she preached on this in 2020, when it was still what's going on, what's happening, we're all about to die kind of thing. And she did a Sunday sermon, which we're going to dig up and find a Sunday sermon, breaking that down. And I tell you what, because I'm behind the scenes on much of Dr. Price's life, her knees were knocking a little bit because it wasn't popular. Now she said, I'm going to do it. You know, Esther, if I perish, I perish. But by the, by the way they trying to do, they trying to take us all out just like with Esther. You know, it's kind of like, hey, if you don't do this, somebody else will be raised up to to save the Jews. But y'all going to be dead. (laughs) So you won't even know, according to Mordecai's words. That was our devos the other day. So it's fresh in my mind. And I said, well, the great thing is this was uh, even about a situation before Esther didn't perish. (laughs) And so she went out and she was one of the first people that you can find speaking out against. I mean, point for point. She broke it down. I believe we had maps. We had stats. We had everything in that PowerPoint that Sunday. This is when we were still in Bixby in our other location. And and she said, I'm telling you that God says this is a diabolical scheme. 
and they're aiming to take us out. <clears throat> and even what we're dealing with now with the monkeypox was she also prophesied that I believe, uh, you know, for the maybe the second time in that era, we we prof we remember prophecies by eras and locations. Oh no, we were in this location when this word came out. And so when we were nomadic and now we nomads no more. And when we were nomadic and it was like, this was the nomadic, this was the Bixby era. I feel like Israel, this is the Moab era. This is, okay, the land of the Jebusites. This is when we were camped out over here. We were biblical even in our journey to establishment. And now we're at the embassy, the embassy. Yes. And so we're going to take this uh, one more clip before we shoot it over to the chief apostle, because it does. It puts a pretty bow. Now, the other two clips that we might get to later on in the show, he's breaking down what's in the serum. They're short Mark your calendars for June 15th through the 18th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary, hosts her annual Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. This year's theme is the station of the prophet in God's future, unlocking the future of the Almighty with the key of prophecy. Keynote speakers include Prophet Elizabeth Tyam Fook, Prophet C.T. Johnson, Assistant Chief Prophet Angela Powers, and Chief Prophet Tala Price. and Chief Apostle Paula Price. If you are an ordained prophet, register for Dr. Price's Private Prophets Luncheon. Register your teenagers for our youth conference. Our youth theme is Identity the Key to Destiny, Redeeming This Generation. Visit www.drpaulaaprice.com to register individuals, teens and groups today. Price should be on television because her wisdom is universal. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you agree or you don't, there is wisdom and eternal truths in everything she says. She's intelligent and not just emotionally reactionary. And so if she's going to, let's just say, have a rebuttal against something, she has done her homework. And so it's not just shooting off emotionally and this is just what I believe and just, you know, unbridled passion all over the place. She should be on television because the world needs her, not just the body of Christ. There are answers that she has taken the time, which a lot of people don't want to do, and paid the price and the sacrifice like people in scripture. And it's time for the world and the world is ready to hear that information. Oh, she's real. Dr. Price is real. That's the appeal. We just had a whole bunch of people in church on Sunday, and the overriding comment was, but she's just so honest, but it's just so truthful. And it's not just honesty to shock people and do whatever. She's honest about the Lord, honest about the word, honest about us sitting in the seats and herself also sitting in their seats. And, and that's, that's huge. You, you don't even realize you don't hear the truth a lot until you hear it. And you're like, that's it right there. <laughs> I want you to do me a favor. I want you to visit www.takingiton.com. 
taking it on is not just about a television show. It is about getting around tables, having discussions, making connections, shaking hands, opening doors, and you might be the solution or the open door to what God has told Dr. Paul Price. And so as we continue to take it on, we want to take it on with you. Partner with us at www.takingiton.com. Well, greetings, family. I'm so glad to be here today. I've had, you know, just a very strenuous time in the spirit getting this information and combing through it for you. Now, one of the things that I want to emphasize is that people need to hear God's perspective. We are doing Prophecy Clinic so that you'll begin to deal with God's perspective. So I want to bring that out, but I want to ask my studio audience here, just for one or two of you to tell me what is your feeling or reaction to hearing this information from not just official, but also from the experts, established experts in these subjects. Anybody want to share a thought or a view in the studio audience? As a nurse that was taking care of a lot of the COVID uh, patients and watching them suffer and die, I kind of, um, the Lord gave me the insight. I already knew that the vaccine was uh, diabolical. The COVID was diabolical. We didn't know what to do, still don't know what to do. There's nothing that you can fight it with antibiotics or steroids or anything like that. But my question to the Lord was, how did the church allow this infiltration to this level? Because somewhere the hedge of protection of the body of Christ, we had let it down. Mm -hmm. And all I could hear was the word of trust. Mm -hmm. We stopped uh, having the body of Christ rely on the spirit of God for healing and miracles and signs and wonders. Uh, and we put our trust in medicine. So society went more that way. But as the people were very critical and would pass and the families were there, all I could hear was the word, uh, God help me. Mm -hmm. And many were um, born again, saved, but they had put their trust in medicine. And um, I, I think that the church, if it was in the divine order of the apostle and the prophet, that it should have been, that, like Dr. Price is bringing back, then we can reconstruct uh, the hedge for the kingdom of God in this time. Wow, very powerful. And very profound. But let me let me speak to what you just said, because it's important that you understand that, you know, Jeremiah says it's a bitter thing or it's a hasty and some translations nasty thing for a nation to change its gods. And that correlates perfectly with Deborah in Judges, who says that they chose new gods. And there was war at the gates. Now, interesting, war at the gates back then was a, a mass of soldiers waiting outside to invade your land and to devastate you as a land. Today, the gate is the human immune system. So this is it's biological warfare. The man said it. This is biological warfare, and it's biological warfare because the church failed solical warfare. 
We allowed our souls to be invaded, as you just pointed out, instead of pushing back and praying and decreeing and declaring. I really hope those of you who are called to be part of God's future do make it here in a few weeks at the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, because we're just giving you snippets. But there's a, a, a body of information that you need to have in order for you to begin to understand how to prophesy properly and accurately and relevantly in the days and weeks and months to come. And if you are ordained, make it your business to register for the private luncheon because it's for the priv it's the privilege of the ordained and official prophets. So it, it it's not open to the public. And uh, uh, entrance is, is by invitation only. And so, but you want to be there because we're giving you a taste of what this is going to be. I've been talking to people over and over and over again, and I keep using this phrase, prophets and prophecy must correlate with God's future. What is God living and what are we expecting God to do? What do what are we petitioning God to do? Because our petitions are his future. And so we 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 we're going to hammer through a little bit of that and and, and have some some sessions where we dig into dive into that. Um, I'll say what are you doing to prepare for God's future? All of this old time prophecy, that's entertainment. All of this, you know, these um, aged out templates of marriage and money and career, all of that is neutralized by the future that the church allowed to happen. We're in Jesus's time where he, the parable of the strong man, and he talked about that a strong man or keep his palace and his goods are in peace. He's safe and secure and he can trust in them until a stronger one comes. Mm -hmm. Now, Satan knows that. So he weakened the church so that he could become the stronger man. And then he said he takes all of his armor and all of his spoils because he's the stronger man. What is that about? Because we have got to be analytical thinkers. That's why we let it go. We've been so inspirational. We forgot to be analytical. That is what I want to talk to you about today. So go back and listen to Sunday. Rachel is going to find that prophecy. Rachel finds everything. I don't know where she puts it, but we just, and we just, you know, we didn't even give her order. We just dumped it on. Here you go, Rachel. Make something out of that. And Rachel is a warrior. So she said, uh, okay. Now, I know she went to her room and said, Jesus, <laughs> Lord God. <laughs> and Rachel is one of our prophets in training. And, uh, and, and, and I'm glad to be able to train them in a way that they should go instead of pushing the way we used to go. You cannot, you, I promise you, you are not a prophet of the future if you're still prophesying the same idiosyncratic nonsense that has caused us to shut our ears and shut our hearts to what's going on. In 2017, I, I, I got the revelation, the world is going into a hard reset. I said that in 2017, I was the first person in the prophetic realm that was really publicizing. We're in the, we're about to have a hard research reset and the world as we know it will be no more. I prophesied that 
Don't fall in love with it. I prophesied through my apocalyptic elect, elect campaign. Don't be rushing to get married and have kids. Because Jesus said that there's there are seasons in life where you don't want to have a kid. You think about the mamas now, not that they shouldn't have had their children. God bless them. You know, I love babies. I'm trying to get more. Anyhow, but that, I'm off. I'm off on I'm back. Okay. I'm a Shia. But you look at now, mamas are trying to get formula for their children. Is that not the present day correlation with Jesus saying, when you see these things come, take cover? And he said, and woe to the nursing mothers. That's biblical correlation. That is literally, that is ancient correlating with present. So you have to know how to see how that worked out. So you're talking about the mothers who are nursing, those babies are doing pretty well. But the mothers who don't nurse, or if you are working or all of that, you're down tracking, trying to find out formula. This man hates us. And now we know why. Because now you see the powers that put him in the office. See, you see the agenda. And I know that God is unmasking this for some very powerful potent reasons because God said well if I rescued y'all you all would have just gone back to playing and fluffing and whatever he says I have to let you know that you're you're not only is your nation on the line your existence is on the line so what is it ask yourself after this is done if you're a prophet Call your prophets, get into a round table, get into a forum discussion, get on Clubhouse, something, and begin to dig through and dig into these people's objectives and ask yourself, what's the big reveal? What's the big payoff? That's what we're supposed to do. See, we're supposed to bring people the omega of everything into the present and then tie it to the alpha. That's what we do. That is who we are, because remember, everything about this life for the Lord Almighty, for his realm is Omega. They're at the end. And this and, and it's replaying in flesh. It already played out in spirit. That's what we call the prophecy continuum. So everything. Well, if God already knew, see, this is where y'all got scared because she see Satan scared y'all over predestination. Didn't he? Well, if God already knew, then what's the point? What's the purpose? The purpose is what God knows in the spirit has nothing to do with what you affirm and you flesh out in earth because your soul is on earth. So even though God knew it in his spirit realm, your soul doesn't know it. Your soul has got to earn the right to get the spiritual status you want. Your soul is it. That's the ticket. The ticket up or the ticket down. That is why Jesus' soul had to go to hell. So we're going to, as we do this, these are, these are um, part of what I want to cover as we're talking about it. And then, of course, um, Apostle Ashley already talked to you about my commentary. Go to my site. I don't know. Um, they will put where you can get it. Go to my site and download the article on the Buffalo and Texas shootings, okay? And I, I entitled it, you look it up, the title is The Disguise Massacre. 
because all of these shootings are massacres in disguise. Like, I don't hear B B Biden trying to, you know, hop Air Force One to find out why we had shootings in Tulsa because it was a black man shooting a black man. So where is Brother Biden? He's, he should be appalled. Why isn't he appalled? He's not. Where, where are all of the all of the people who are like, yeah, but we're just tired of you killing black people. Black folk been killing black folk for as long as black folk been on the planet. And here's a newsflash. White folk kill white folk. Red folk kill red folk. See, other color folks kill other color folks because killing is integral to the planet. So what is this about? I'm going to give you just a quick thing and then we're going to move into the clinic. And that is this is all about the Second Amendment. See, Tulsa's open, Oklahoma, is, we have, we, see, we, we, we believe in Second Amendment. So I'm telling you, I hate that people are dying. So don't get it in your mind that I'm all excited or I'm, I'm if callous or indifferent. I hate it, but I do know that killings have motives. That's what the entire judicial system is based on. Motivational killing. So killings have motives, whatever that is. And so I was just, I don't know if it's still up there. I was just interviewed on uh, Mike Gruber um, this week, last week. We don't know. Anyway, I was there and we talked about this. So I want to tell you something. We have got to stop allowing the theatrical dramas, however tragic and sorrowful they may be, be put, the, put up a fake set. This is a fake stage this is staging and is set up for something else you need to find out what the something else is these shootings in in the quote-unquote bible air come on the bible stronghold they're all about taking down the second amendment and they say i am for the second amendment and you know why i'm for the second amendment because they can take gun out and put knife in there they can take knife out and they can put bomb in there they can take bomb out and they can put stone in there they can take stone out and they can put poison in there because killers will kill so now if they took out and so as far as they're concerned there's only one weapon that's a threat why is that First of all, it's a long distance weapon. You can be up on a mountain and you can shoot a person far away. So that's, that's, that's already advantageous. With knife, you got to get up close unless you're good at throwing. But the bottom line is this whole thing, I shut it down by the Holy Ghost in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because this is about disarming the innocent and make them victims of criminals. This is, this, look at all of these nations. They got disarmed, and then all of, and then all of a sudden we're gonna say, "Here's what's gonna happen." And I can, I don't even have to prophesy; I could just foresee. Come on. And so this is gonna happen. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, trash the Second Amendment. Next thing you know, these strange soldiers are coming out of everywhere, and they are taking the place of our peace officers. Right. Did you notice I said peace officers? Right. So they're going to come out of nowhere. The next thing you know, we are a concentration state and a concentration nation. Because is that not what Australia found out? You couldn't defend yourself. Now you're down to making primitive weapons just to defend yourself. Come on. Self-defense. Who? What is that? Self-defense is a divine mandate. Come on. Come on. Divine mandate. You cannot make it religious because Jesus Christ told the apostles, I'm going home, guys. Go buy a sword. 
because that during that time the sword was the gun. Right. See, that's Bible. I don't stand on anything. I'm not standing on sinking sand. I'm telling you, that's Bible. Jesus told the apostles, go get a sword. If he was talking today, he said, go get you some weapons. Why did Peter have a sword to cut off the, the ear of the, okay? He had it handy because they were accustomed. He told them, go get a sword because I'm leaving my power as the almighty. My power as the muscle of creation is getting ready to leave the planet in the flesh. So go get yourself a sword and get yourself some clothes because all of this divine provision that you are enjoying and have enjoyed all the while that I was here, it's going with me. See, those angels going with me. We're all going back home. You don't hear preachers preach that. Jesus said, get a sword. That means he, Jesus Christ backs the Second Amendment. Every man should take care of himself. I just, oh, Lord, I got a, oh, I got, I got a couple of it. Did you hear that? I got a ding, ding, ding. So when they ask me, how could you be a Christian? I don't know about being a Christian because I told you before, God never called us Christians. He never named us Christians. The Antiochians named us Christians. The Jews named us Christians. God calls us the elect. We are the elect of God. We are the children of God. We are the offspring of the Godhead. We're the seed of Christ. Jesus Christ. Christians is what, what was put on us by folk did not know what to call. However, magnificently, we were morphing in the society and during that day. But Jesus said it. Now, it's in red ink. So I'm, I want you to pass it on. Go look it up. Find it for me, Rach. Come on, Rach always finds everything. Don't forget you got to find that prophecy, Rach. That's your next day. But if Jesus told the apostles to go get swords, he's saying, arm yourself. That's what I'd say. I read, I read the scripture. And I've written enough books about the scripture for you all to know that I'm sane and safe. Abba. So as far as this, so this whole, these shootings and whatnot, they are to make the innocent and the gullible believe that if all people had no weapons, then everybody would be safe, had no guns, then everybody would be safe because removing guns is supposed to be the equivalent of moving all weaponry. Misdirect people, misdirect. Well, if he didn't have a gun, trust me, killers, we, does anybody go on the internet and look at the kill rate we have today? Think about it. We, we, we had Antifa tearing down. They were just tearing down and, and rioting. Weapons don't go away because you do, a, you do away with or obliterate the Second Amendment. Weaponry and killing are not remedied by that. I want you to write it down because it's important that you hear me. Just because we take guns off the table doesn't mean we take killing out of culture. We can't take it out of consciousness. We cannot take killing out of souls. We cannot take murder out. People will just find other ways. Do we talk about how many people are poisoned, murdered by poisoning? Murdered by traffic? Somebody just run them down in the road? Don't buy the lie. 
disarming our country is about the final play in taking over our country. And before you know it, you'll be disarmed and armed soldiers will walk in patrolling your street, threatening you every day. And if you get a hot-headed one, they're dead and nobody cares. This is Satan. The thief comes before the steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes before the now We preached it. Didn't we preach it? We preached it, we sang it, we danced it, we wrote it, put some scriptures on it, got it on cups and carrying on, and now we're living it. Now we are living what Jesus is talking about as Alpha and Omega. He said, but I have come that you might have life and to have it more abundantly. He brought a nation to life called the United States of America and made us so abundant we forgot him, made us so abundant we trashed him, made us so abundant we, we switched him out and we replaced him with fallen gods, the very gods that he took down on the cross. Now, here's what's interesting. Somebody texted uh, and Facebook me. I'm the worst person to Facebook, stupid. And so somebody Facebook me and they said, long live the ancient gods. See, well, you know, they wanted, I guess they wanted to see what I was going to say. I said, yay, right. Aren't we glad Jesus Christ destroyed them on Calvary? Right. Uh, okay, which one is? You want to read it? We team thing here. By the sword scripture is Luke 22, verse 36. Then Jesus said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. That means you, God, Jesus has said it's safer to go naked than to go weaponless. <laughs> and so in verse 38, they, so they said, look, uh, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. So now we got now we know what the two holster guns were, you know, <laughs> one on the left, you know. Uh, you, uh, OK. So the point now, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can't sell me on Second Amendment not being Christian, just like you can't sell me on war not being of God. Hey. See, but you are listening to satanic rhetoric and satanic messengers who want to have the righteous neutralized in fear and cowardice. A man asked me, he wrote me on my, you know, I'm, I'm having a blast with the people writing me. I don't yeah. even, I, I usually don't, but every now and then when I run through there and he says, so what do you think about martial arts? I said, if you asked me five years ago, I would have been against it. But God told me, and I gave him the same scripture. We need to arm ourselves. We need to be able to defend ourselves. See, and, and it was important for them back then because they used to get ambushed on the road. Mm-hmm. Ambush was normal. You can go on the road on your road trip. Somebody gonna come out, take all your stuff. Right. You know, and, and next thing you know, you you you're bleeding on the side of the road. What do you think about the Good Samaritan story? Was it was about crime in that area? Yeah. Right, right. Crime requires defenses, yes. and the more rampant the crime, the more ramped up the defenses. Mm. So I'm, I'm doing Bible. You cannot tell me that's not in scripture. Now you can tell me when my Bible doesn't say that, then yours is a Bible and it's not the scriptures. See, a lot of those Bibles are not the authorized scriptures of God. Isn't that wonderful? See, I have to help you think. Think differently. Live powerfully. I change the way you think so that you can alter the way you lead. And actually so that you can upgrade the way you live. 
We are seated in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Does anybody know that? As he is, so are we in this world. Isn't it interesting that while Jesus is talking about I'm leaving, that the people are sitting there with swords? Oh, we got a pair of swords. Lord, you need some swords? We got some. It is enough. It is enough. He said, and, and for Jesus, that was end of discussion. It is enough. That's end of, enough of that. So they had swords. They carried swords. The Lord Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Why? Because they got weapons in heaven. How did they fight the war and win the war in heaven? Revelation 12. They didn't just stand there and say, spit, spit, flat, flat. They, they fought a war. They have military in heaven. Yes. They got a whole military. So, so you know, a nation that wants to be around will have a super military. A nation that wants to sell out will have a puny military. We're sitting here with soldiers. I had to sit there. I was ministering to a man who was in. I forget what war he was in. I, I want to say um, Vietnam. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's Afghanistan, one of them. Anyway, and he was just really wrestling with the fact that he had to take life. And I was sitting there. You know, I'm, I, I'm just a central. Uh, thank God I was born in the ghetto because, you know, you know, <laughs> baby, I was born in the ghetto. <laughs> Baby, it was rough, rough. So I have a whole different take on it than those who've been born in these cozy land states and cities and communities. Mine wasn't cozy. Mine was real serious. So maybe that that helped me. But I found it in scripture. The Bible said that. See, you can say, well, you know, Israel was wrong to have war. And no, no, God sent them to war and then taught them to war and told them, go win something for me. Yes, he did. So. He sent his people to go win. And he, and he said, I want you to go against the mighty ones of the earth because they're taking my stuff and holding it illegally. This is righteous. Amen. You know, the, the, the Muslims did not invent jihad. <laughs> Holy wars were long before them. Okay. And so we got the hellish wars being defeated by the holy wars. You understand? That's how that worked out. So. We're sitting there and, I, and I'm saying, but God, you know, what do we do? I don't know. How can I prove this? He says there was war in heaven. You can't miss that. I don't know how you can rephrase that, yeah, exactly. you know, and there was war in heaven. Now, war tells me that it, war is the ultimate resolution of a long standing or a seriously detrimental conflict. So by the time they got to war, God had lived with mess. Devil had, was wrecking and wreaking havoc in his realm, rampaging and destroying his people, destroying his citizenry. See, we don't want to read that. And then when you go and you read Isaiah and Ezekiel, you realize, hold on, wait a minute. There was more than war in heaven. There was crime. There were slaughters. There were murders. There was false religion. It said that you spoiled your sanctuaries. There was false religion. Everything that we're living here, God defeated in his realm first. Because things start spirit and end up flesh. Start in God's realm. So God is telling us, when Jesus comes and tells us that he's here, when he said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. 
See, I'm not reading Greek mythology to get this. I'm reading the word of the Lord. I don't have to mythologize it. I already know. So he's saying, I saw Satan fall from heaven. Now, how did that happen? How, what made him fall from heaven? Well, you just go back to where it said Michael and his angels fought, the devil and his angels fought, and then they don't even bother telling us how tragic it was. We don't know how long it lasted, but intergalactic and internal warfare began in God's realm. So God had to defeat Satan in his realm to sure to uh, guarantee to defeat him in every other planet he would hide on. All of this here, universe stuff, there's nothing, nothing but Satan planet hopping. Trying to find a home that God hasn't destroyed. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, so he came to earth, fleshed formed as God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So we don't understand how they did war in heaven because we don't understand what the stakes were. But for Jesus Christ, the stakes were horrible. They were astronomical because he had to shed his blood so that the spiritual side of his blood would recover creation and the physical side or the corporeal side of his blood would recover humanity. You don't understand. They don't understand. See, this is clinic. See, because you prophesying stuff that, that's not even in the, the infrastructure of eternity. <laughs> okay. I mean, you up there prophesying all kinds of things. Like God could do anything he wants. God can do anything he wants. You'll probably be dead before he gets it done. Because he has pathogens and pathologies and pathways. See, they're paths, and those paths are biotic. They're not Legos. Creation is not Legos. You don't just click and clap and what? See, you don't. Mm -mm. That's the whole bell. The whole bell. It's biotic. That means it's got the veins is very vascular. It's granular. It's, it's biological. In other words, everything God wants to happen has to happen through a person. If it has to happen through a person, that person has got to be more than a personality. It's got to be a being. So you all voted this man in, not realizing, and you're watching now, he's inseminating, he's germinating the death that they, these men are talking about through our country. Hallelujah. Because you thought it was a plastic. This way, he was not a cutout. Well. He was a physical being set in a place of authority where the watchers were the dark principalities and powers. You literally set this man in as an instrument of Ephesians 6. And first Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 10. You did that because you, you believed that it was just, what well, I don't even know what you thought it was. You know, physical, natural com companies hire people to do things. But do you know what? They have sense enough to know that they have to explore and examine these people. They have to vet them. You, you did not want to vet him because you were too busy being excited about getting rid of God's man. See, this was a... For you, this was an exciting thing. This was a media propaganda, and you cast your vote for what would destroy, even though what was going to destroy us 
could only destroy us because we were doing that well. We were doing so well, and you voted for the destruction. You voted. You see those videos? That's your vote. That's your vote. Did you hear Brother Pfizer? See, that's your vote. See, coronavirus did not have to turn into COVID. Because they already had hydrochloroquine. We, 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 we would have made all of that. Everybody been fine. We'd have done like we do when we get a flu anyway. They turned it into a weapon. You voted for this weapon. And you did not do your homework. So I don't care that you, all right, well, you know, I don't agree with you. You know, I got family that doesn't agree with me. Ask me how my kid, and they keep looking wrong. And you know what they do? They keep lying so that they don't have to deal with their error. So they keep they keep deceiving themselves. The truth. Tell the whole truth. They keep de- well, I don't well, I know he's not doing this or that. Son, you paying five dollars a gallon for gas? That ought to be enough for you to say, remove him from our White House. Oh, Babies can't get formula, huh? California's about seven a gallon. Seven dollars a gallon and and California, if we can't keep I read uh, Newsom supposedly said if we can't if, if uh Biden dies, we welcome Kamala. You mean giggle face? Girl can't even give us a, a diplomatic statement. Giggle face. Because she's always nervous and scared. That little nervous. I'm like, aren't we humiliated enough? And, here, and I'm thinking, but here we are, your babies, your grandbabies, you can't get milk. And they, the, the, well, who is the senator that found the warehouse where they're stockpiling formula? That they, who was it? Where they're stockpiling formula so that the babies, they won't let it come to the market? One of, the, one of our politicians, you know Miss Lane know all of that stuff. That's your mama. Your mama. Her mother, she's a bird on every wire. She, okay, and so they found it. They found they're sitting there. Do you know that they're burning up our food plants? Yep. Do you know what that they're pushing Venezuela on you, and you still haven't called for this man's investigation? Okay. We don't even have to go. Let's start at start. You've not asked anybody to. You are looking at your, the destruction of your land, but your ego won't let you admit you were blindsided, and it, and it can happen to anyone. So you were blindsided and now you don't want to admit that. So you'd rather see your whole nation go down and all your grandchildren and whatnot in in all kinds of internment camps rather than say, you know what? Enough is enough. We need to stop this. We need to halt this thing right now. That's what we need to do because it's on you and you have a short window to halt it. I'm sitting you're looking at 2000 mules and you're still saying, yeah, but yeah, but. Honey, I want you to understand that is ego. That has nothing yeah. to do with truth. That's all about, I don't want anybody to think that I was so naive, so gullible, right. so taken in, that I was calmed into voting my history, not my conscience, just my history, without investigating its effect on our destiny. Mm. The formula. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. This is the formula. And share, 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 share. Uh, says there's a baby formula shortage in the U.S. It has resulted in empty shelves and both fear and frustration for parents. However, last week, Congresswoman Kat Kamek 
received, I believe a Texas received a text message from frustrated patrol border agents telling her baby formula uh, was being stockpiled in warehouses along the Southern border. When white house officials pushed back, the pro-life lawmaker went to the border to find out for herself. She says she went inside the Donna, Texas border patrol processing center. And this supply room is stocked from top to bottom with supplies from baby formula, diapers, clothing, flip flops, anything and everything you can imagine. Congresswoman also toured two offsite warehouses. There are extraordinarily large and stocked full of more supplies than they have more in route. They confirm. In February, the FDA closed the country's largest baby formula plant, Abbott Nutrition, because of safety issues. Kamek mm. says that they led to self that uh, led to a self-inflicted problem. The White House released a video today saying the FDA will oversee the importing of baby formula from countries around the world. And we trust them. No. We I don't. I mean, they already told us they're not for FDA is for Pfizer. They, they knew about that meeting. So therefore that we have to pray, God, I pray that you, you, you this is not uh, uncontaminated and that by your spirit, you purge everything that's in these stockpiles. Because here's what they want to do. They want to get that stuff to those immigrants. So, so they get stock shelves and they get a lot of food and they get everything. And we, not so. I'm telling everybody, let me tell you something. Over the next couple of weeks, you know, I'm really there. Huh? Tell us. The next couple of weeks, thank you for finding that. I have a crack team. It'll be on do your homework so you can read the whole thing yourself. But I'm telling people, we like to say we're kings and priests. We love to say that, don't we? But David didn't pray for his enemies the way we do. I pray for my enemies. I pray they stop being my enemy. I pray they stop using me. I pray that they meet Jesus Christ, but I bind up their powers over me. I don't pray to keep on beating me and lashing me while you're waiting to find repentance. This that could be a couple of decades apart. So I don't pray that. I pray that, what is that? I return it. The Bible said God heaps the evil's plots on their own head. I pray scripture. Scripture doesn't just pray that. David would tell you those that hate you. He said, I hate those who hate you with a perfect hatred. Well, no, he wasn't talking about I hate humanity. He was saying, but those who are abusing my God, I'm in my seat to keep your nation. I'm in my seat to keep your authority, to keep your righteousness, your light in the world. We're supposed to do that. That means that we're supposed to wrestle. Why did Paul say we're supposed to wrestle with the principalities and powers and uh, 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 and the spiritual hosts of darkness? Darkness, and we're not supposed to wrestle. Right? So I'm, I'm you know, a lot of these, my, a lot of my prayer, you all would probably be so afraid of my prayers. Y'all be like, okay, Dr. Price, we're not coming to your prayer meeting. <laughs> it's all right, too. Stay right I pray as one who sits in authority, and I pray as one, I don't, I, see, I don't believe that praying for people's salvation means that we have to still endorse their devastation. I don't believe that. I believe we bind up the works of darkness that they do. I believe, and, and my scripture tells it, we are supposed to bind up the works of darkness, pray for their souls, but bind their assaults. Neutralize their work. We have, our prayers normalize sin. We're supposed to neutralize and nullify. 
That's what we're supposed to do. And trust me, God can save a person in the midst of committing a crime. He's done it before. He'll do it again. Our job is not to let the crime go on until they come to the repentance. I don't do that. I'm not that woman. So don't know. So you won't be invited to my prayer meetings when I'm having closed session. I have closed session prayer meetings and I want you to know I root out. And tear down. Tear down. I do Jeremiah. Come on. See, we pray. Jeremiah's job was to do that. And Jesus celebrates Jeremiah when he comes as a prophet. And so, well, I mean, we don't want to pay, pray for their death. I'm not going to pray for their life if all they're going to do is kill people. That's how we got to the victim meaning nothing in the building being covered. See, that started in the spirit first. You know, I, I went to talk to somebody about an issue I was having. And as far as they were concerned, the victim was the problem. I was like, I'm done with you because I don't need that upside down skewed righteousness. That's See, because that's righteousness from hell. You, can, you have no empathy for the person who is hemorrhaging and bleeding, but you have all of this empathy for the for the consequences. That the perpetrator cause i'm not that so i'm never gonna be that i promise you that's never gonna happen so you don't have to worry about it we what we pray publicly is nice isn't that nice and you know uh, who are in heaven hallowed be our name go ahead do that and in the back we go okay so jesus now let's let's throw down let's do it right now see that's why i know intercessions are praying the wrong prayers because this should have never happened so y'all praying the safety of the of the sinner I'm praying, I'm, you know, I'm praying for the repentance of the sinner. Safety is up to God. I need you to stop. I need you to stop tearing up my land. Okay. So now, honey, and now we understand why we have prophecy clinic. When I train my prophets to pray, we got public platform prayer for the people who just think everybody be say, you know, this church is so crazy. They think Egypt should have been spared. Okay. Israel should have stayed in, uh, in captivity because if getting them out of captivity was a matter of destroying the nation, then they should stay in captivity. This okay, They do. They, they say stupid stuff like that. And you know why? Because you live in cushy land. See, cushy land has that consciousness. That's a cushy land consciousness. Because, see, you don't know what it is to be the other side. You understand. So you don't know what God is suffering. Our job is to, is to relieve God's suffering first. Because he's the one who's long-suffering. So we relieve Christ's suffering. That's our job as apostles and prophets. And that, that began with a, an apostolic prophet, which Moses actually was. So you want to pray for that. You want to sit there. Right, can you imagine? This church will pray. Will play, I'm telling you, they're going to pray for the Philistines. They're going to play, pray for the barbarians. They're going to pray. That, okay. Yeah, we don't want, don't, don't kill Goliath. We can, we can tolerate his screaming and taunting. Don't kill him. David is like, who are you? You uncircumcised Philistine. Okay. Who are you to defy the armies of the Lord of hosts? Lord, if our angels felt like that, I'll tell you the truth. Where there be no earth. They will be, I'm telling you, thank God the angels know that a devil's a devil. Evil is evil. Unrighteousness is ungodly. See, they know that. So 
I am here to shift. We're going to make another shift. We're going to shift from celebrating evil and backing darkness to elevating righteousness and standing with our God. Yes. Amen. And, and, and I can imagine, can you imagine Jesus at night then? You know, we're going to do some of these sketches. Y'all know that, right? Yeah. And they in there and heaven and Lord, you know, you said you want none to perish. And so God, we just, well, we don't like that they're getting ready to annihilate us as humans. We don't like that they're wiping us out. And we don't like that they're giving us vaccinations that's going to kill us. But Lord, please save them, Lord, and spare them, Lord. Please do it. And, and Come on, what? Because you know the trembling prayer. Oh, yeah, you got to tremble. <laughs> and heaven is up there saying, I don't know what you want to do. You tie my hands. Yes. My hands are tied. You're asking me not to stop the problem because you want this be, the, the source to be re redeemed or spared. And you're assuming that me not stopping the problem is going to make them think differently about their assault. So you uh, you bound me up. That's what God is. Y'all bound me up. I can't do it. Uh, mm -mm, your doctrine bound me up. Because yeah. you assume that just because somebody say the sinner's prayer, they're immediately converted. So we can say that sinner's prayer, and it can be 20 years before conversion happens. And meanwhile, until they're converted, guess what they are continuing to do? The they need to be all, the, all the things that you want God to hold up. So God, I mean, you know, uh, uh, when God, you know, I heard a sermon when I was first saved called, um, you know, the Bible said that precious in his sight will be the death of his saints. That's a, that's a passage. I know y'all didn't know it's in there. And so everybody was like, well, he didn't mean precious. The man is not stupid. If he said precious, that means it's, it is more of a, a, a treasure. The death of, of, of God's saints is meant to eternity. And so I said, no, no. And nobody understood why. Here's why. Let me just help you. I'm going to drink some, some coffee. I'm having coffee. Y'all got some coffee out there? Go get a cup. This is real. No, don't get a cup unless you're going to listen to me. You don't want to miss it. But you know what he was saying? He said there's going to come a, a day where the death of his saints will be precious. What does that mean? That means Jesus will close hell. And that when people die, they can actually be with the Lord. And up until that point, they weren't. Everybody went to hell. Abraham, his friend, in hell. Now, he gave him a condo down there, a nice little Caribbean island in the midst of all the flames. <laughs> A little oasis down there. Oh, yeah. Because he was like, because in hell, can you imagine? That according to Jesus, hell had water for Abraham. Over there, they had heat. He said, I could just, just dip in the water and cool my tongue. Because the soul still has all the feelings, even though the body has returned to the dust. And God has all of these indicators and innuators that tells you the truth. So his soul is in hell and he is feeling everything and his soul does not have the spiritual blindness or blinders that the brain has because the brain is in the dust being used by somebody else. So when he said precious in his sight mm, is the death of his saints, he's actually saying at last, I don't have to watch people who lived right, died right, stayed with my law, followed Moses. All I don't have to watch them go to hell. I can now take them right away. Because the, that's the whole power. Can I continue saying this? Because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I can't find. I'm there. I'm out there. Because that's the reason why Elijah, Elijah 
was taken before he died. That he would not see death. Because seeing death is to be in hell. You only see death in hell. That is the reason Enoch stepped over instead of dropped down. Because they have laws and they have policies and they have, uh, 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 what do you call it, regulations that we know not of. So the truly righteous is not supposed to see death. Being truly righteous means you are beyond death. So you, in other words, for you, when you're truly righteous, your thing is departure from the planet, not death to hell. Death. Oh, death, where is your place? Where are your sins? See, so see, we act as if God is just what we read in this Bible. No, this Bible is literally excerpts and extracts of a world that's been running for like ever and that he built from his own being, his own person. So here we are. Enoch gets to step over because he and God are so tight. I mean, they tight. So much so, Enoch would be gone for very long periods of time. So he went and vacationed in God's realm. I'm looking for that vacation. You know, I've been telling him. Yes, I am. I'm sure I'm going to aggravate him. Yes, I am. I'm not going to stop. I'm getting my vacation. I'm doing Enoch. Until eventually, Enoch dropped in for, for their customary visit. And Jesus is like, I'm tired of saying goodbye to you. Moses, do you know the miracle? See, I'm still talking the miraculous because we playing with this thing. Right. You know, we're we're playing with because to us is is an allegory. Well, God allegorically took Moses. If he did, why did he show up when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration? That was not, that's not allegorical, and that is as much as integral to the cross and the gospel of the cross as anything. So here we are. He says to Moses, "Most High, we're right there." And Moses is like, "No, no, no, you're not going in the Promised Land. But here's what you can do. You know, Jesus is going to give you this trade off. Here's what you can do. Now, I'm not going to change my mind on that." But here's what you can do. You can go and climb the mountain and go see it so you know that you're, you know, the end of your, you, you did your service well. Here we are. You can do that and then go over to the other side of the mountain and die. Now, understand, you and God have to be pretty close for him to not have to slaughter or kill you and you obey his mandate or his edict to die. That's pretty close. But Moses had been with God face to face 80 days. Right. And then many times since then he had to leave his, you know, some of you all are like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to leave my family. If you want to get to that, that mosaic statue, you will, because your family going to hold you down. Their family going to tell you not to go to church. They're going to tell you don't believe me. They're going to tell you that I'm a cult. Like they know a cult. Like your, like your bar is not a cult. Your club is not a cult. Your sex club is not a cult. You realize sex clubs are fertility cults. But you're all right with that. Your little dating thing, your little nasties that you do on your computer. Now, none of that is cultish. You know, you do little nasties on your computer. Signed up. Yes, you do. And so you, you do that. Your, your, your booze. You realize that your, your alcoholic celebrations are feasts to cults. They're feasts. That's libations to your devil. So you, you get drunk enough for them to enter your being. 
take over your consciousness and your judgment. So don't mess with me. I'm the wrong person because I'm not impressed. So here you go. So, so Moses and God are so close. He already knows God's world. Moses can die because he knows it's just stepping out of his body. He's clear on that. But stepping out of his body left that flesh intact. And who was on his death day? Now, who, now you know Satan get memos about death because why was he over there in the mountain? To, how did he know? Right. How did he know to even show up? Hey, did you get the news? Moses going to die today. Satan is like, usually he sends one of his little minions to get him. No, no. I'm going to go get that one myself. Myself. Uh-uh. I got, I got plans for that corpse. For that carcass. First it was a corpse. So I'm getting that. Now Moses is gone because Michael, you know, is standing there. Why is Michael there to keep Satan from stepping into Moses's corpse? And reanimating it so he can use all of Moses's biology to psych Israel into thinking Moses didn't die. Now, the only person who would know Moses is dead is Joshua. Because how does Israel know? Moses got to tell them he's dead. Why? Because Moses inaugurated Joshua before he left. See, the reason we're here is that all of our, our, our strong men, all of them inaugurated the wrong person or inaugurated the wrong one or, or the wrong person or no one to fill their spiritual void. So here we are. So Moses was, a, he was really good. Now Moses had some children. I don't know if the sons ever came back. We don't know if he had any children with the Ethiopian woman. The scripture doesn't tell us. But what I will say to you is this. Moses did it right. He did not leave Joshua all alone. He left him the plans. He left him the structure. Joshua, he even left him the war plan. Now, this is how you're going to take over this, blah, blah, blah. A quality leaders will not leave their successors in confusion. They have to leave their successors armed and equipped to keep moving on without skipping a beat. So here we are, they come in and our, our successes, they got kids who didn't like them, kids who didn't like God, kids who wanted to do anything but church, kids who wanted to be anybody but a minister, and they are forced to be on the church to keep some sort of pseudo-dynasty going. So here we are, 10 years, 15 years later, and when you talk to their kids, the kids are just as confused as they were the day their, their, their parent left. Their predecessor left. So, but Moses didn't do that. So God, and then after that, God comes to Joshua and said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now you go. And Moses put his power in Joshua. And I could talk about that. You need to go to my site, drpaulaaprice.com and get the, my teachings on manna babies. So you can see how equipped and empowered Joshua was. It's called manna babies. I think I got two of them. So moving to moving on. So here we are. Moses is on the mountain of departure. And God has got to send Michael to stop Satan from inhabiting Moses's dead corpse. It's an article. Yeah, but I have a, I have an audio. There's an audio and an article. So we got both. Uh, trusty Rachel. Hey, Rach. 
I like Rach. Rach is there. You ne everybody needs a Rach who is right there because she knows that she got to act like she has an answer if she doesn't. She's like, she can fake it. Uh huh. She finds one. Sade, go find a book or something. That's what they do. Okay. Huh. Now, I think I brought about. All right. And so the point that I'm saying to you is that that's how much dominion Satan had until the cross. That even Moses's body was up for grabs and he was doing what was legitimate for him to do when death happens. So he comes and he's ready to step into Moses's corpse. Is this blowing your mind? So that he can step down the mountain and only Joshua would know it was Satan. Everybody else would say, boy, you different. Oh, you changed. Oh, he's not what he, something is, do you think it, well, he's different. But, but, but Joshua would know that it wasn't Moses because that's how close he was to his mentor. He know, he would know. And so Michael has to come and tell him you cannot have this body. And when you read the end of Deuteronomy, it said the Lord buried him. So Michael comes and either the Lord buries him, buries Moses' body through Michael, or either the Lord is like, I I'm not letting you do it. Because he's talking about the Lord buried him. So we are three people on this mountain beside Moses. Because when you die, the God you served is the God that has all rights to you. And you must live in that God's realm and that God's life or in your afterlife. I love it when people say, you know, when I died, I just saw light. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. When saints die, they see Jesus. Saints will, because they'll tell you, the Lord told me I can't go. I looked again, Jesus came and I, because all, just like in nations, when you, when we have various world crises, those nations come for their people. Yes, they do. They come for their citizens. They embassies go out, yet they send plane, boat, whatever, to bring their people home because they don't want their national blood spilt on foreign land. That is why what Biden did to Americans in Afghanistan tells you who his God is. We got bat, we got monkey, and now they're trying to find another bird. And humans are still walking around saying, huh, that's not happening. Christians, God won't let that happen. I don't know why he's let everything else happen. Everything else is happening. God is like, I don't know what to tell y'all. Y'all gonna, gonna have to work with me to get this done, but I'm not doing this for you. Hey, I love you guys. See you at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands at the embassy on 7100 Sheridan East. Oh, it's East 31st. Don't go to, don't, don't do that. 7100 East 31st Street here in Tulsa, Sunday school, 8 o'clock a.m. You will love it. You get your own Sunday school class. And then we have um, worship service, 10 o'clock. Again, sow a seed and sow a serious seed because we need to get this going. In Jesus' name, I bless you. I cover your family with the blood of the lamb. And I want you to feel at peace to know our God shed his blood even for something as heinous as this. Think differently. Live powerfully. See you Sunday.
Plater, executive assistant to Taking It All with Paula Price. Season two, we did it, we are here. And I wanted to take a moment and thank you because we would not be able to do this without your partnership, your prayers, and your support. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to visit www.takingiton.com. Find out more about Taking It On with Paula Price, our vision for the show, and how you can partner with us in taking this to the wider body of Christ into the world. We have big dreams. We have big visions for this show. It's not just here. We want to take this as a roving show around the country. On-site locations may be coming to a city near you or your city, your congregation. Hey, we're open to new things because there are so many issues to take on. So many issues, so little time, but we have to get it done in our lifetime and we can't do it without you. So visit www.takingiton.com. You'll be able to see previous episodes from season one, our current season that we are in right now, how you can partner financially in prayer, support, opening doors. Maybe you have connections, opportunities, equipment, locations. The list goes on and on and on. But we cannot do this again. I will say it again. We cannot do this without you. One thing that Dr. Price has taught us all, there are no lone rangers in the kingdom. Nobody gets anything done by themselves. And if you do, you don't get far and probably for not very long. We are here, we are here, we are here for you. And because of you, we have a job to do for our King. Jesus is counting on us to get this truth out there. Dr. Price has taken on many issues and will continue to take on many issues. You can see here in season two, we've expanded our set. We have expanded our guest list and we have more visions waiting to unfold in our next season coming up as well. So again, go to www.takingiton.com and partner with us. Connect with us. Reach out to me. Say, hey, Apostle Ashley, I have some ideas for the show. And not just something that you might want Dr. Price to take on, but maybe you're a producer. Maybe you're a director. Maybe you are a scene designer, makeup artist, costuming, wardrobe and you have a contribution that you wanna partner with us. How about open doors, platforms, connections, people that you want Dr. Price to meet, people that you know need to meet Dr. Price. Not just hear a message, but meet with the apostle herself and say, hey, I need to get you in this door. Because guess what? Taking it on is not just about a television show. It is about getting around tables, having discussions, making connections, shaking hands, opening doors, and you might be the solution or the open door to what God has told Dr. Paula Price. And so as we continue to take it on, we wanna take it on with you. Partner with us at www.takingiton.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.